Welcome to another episode of the Connection Podcast. This time we interviewed Dan Nielsen, who is a member of the Stake High Council and attends Springfield Fifth Ward. We got into a little bit of everything in this episode. We started by a discussion of things that take our breath away, that give us a sense of awe. I named the episode, My Favorite Color is Pink, and we had a tremendous discussion about why that is. If you wanted to skip forward to that part, it's around the hour and five minutes mark. Anyway, it was a great episode. I hope you all enjoy it. Take care. still working in taylor swift somehow (laughs) (laughs) did you listen to john sperry's episode no not yet he gave the longest the longest answer to his thoughts and feelings on taylor swift (laughs) on what taylor swift oh really well so how it there's a couple of things that like always creep into our show and one of them is like we started this with two youth so his son andrew yeah and and lexi deluna were they still, I mean, Andrew, not as not lately, but uh, Lexi still comes and does shows, and uh, she always wants to bring in Taylor Swift to the conversation. That's oh. <laughs> so. got it. It's kind of the running joke at this yeah. point. Yeah, it's a she's ubiquitous. There's a couple other things like that. I don't know, but she caused an earthquake in Seattle. Did you hear about that? No. Yeah, there, there was an earthquake in Seattle. Yeah. No. So their concert. Was measured on the Richter scale. Oh yeah, yeah. I heard something about that. Much. What was yeah, that? Something I don't know what happened, but yeah, it was like two point something on the Richter. It showed up. Yeah, <laughs> and she's like generated more ink or more money through her concerts than like some states. Like it's like over yeah. two and a half billion dollars. Like over the entire budget of some states. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. She's All like, right. Demonstrable. Well, I have my uh, GDP. my neighbor. Yeah. Interestingly enough, my neighbor is Chris Hayes, and he used to. Uh, he's a songwriter and and guitarist for Huey Lewis. Oh, wow. oh cool! And uh, that's really cool. They've they're not together as a band now, but he has connections in Nashville. He went down there when Taylor Swift did her first concert, and of course, they had tickets that you could not get. But you know, with his connections, he got it, and he came back all aglow. He said it was a wonderful concert. It was her kickoff concert for this whole tour she did. Said it was just absolutely wonderful. She it was worth the price of admission. It was just so just great. Yeah, nothing good words to say about. It. I'm not going to go into a John Sperry. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm not going <laughs> to go down that road. But I was I was mostly just. I, I'm, I, I, I'm impressed with some aspects of who she is and what she does. Yeah. But oh gosh, that I, whole that whole picture is. You know, some states could do a lot with a billion and a half. Or two and a half billion. Yeah. Two, and a half. two and a half billion. Wow. Right, welcome to the Connection Podcast. I'm Jason Keister, the show's producer, and we're here with our special guest, Dan Nielsen. Welcome, Dan. Thank you. Not so special, but thank you. Oh, okay. And then we got Jared Boreen coming back. Very excited to be here. Uh, Jared, okay, this came up. How did we get you into the fold here? Because I'm trying to figure that out, too. You're in the group text for guest hosts now. I actually have no idea. I just, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it, but uh, I'm not sure how I got added in. But Do you want to stay? Is I'm here that, for the long haul. Okay. I'm ready to go. Right. I, I love that. I'm happy that you're here. Yeah. yeah. 
And Justin, we know that why he's here, but Justin Edmire is back. Yeah, happy to be back. I love this podcast. It's been <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, let's let's start. So I we were talking about ways we could begin the show today. And a few of the answers that you gave, Dan, made me think about a scripture that I really like in Alma, I believe, where it says, you know, all things denote that there is a God. And I I think that a lot of things in our our world give us a sense of awe or take our breath away. And I, I wanted to ask you guys, what makes you feel awe? What takes your breath away? And and I can start, and, and you guys can think about this, but for me, just reflecting on some things you actually answered here, Dan, astronomy and, and looking at the vastness of space, that, and then going on the micro level too, things, as, as far as things go infinitely big in, in space, the observable and non-observable universe, that things also go infinitely small in the quantum realm, almost as small as you could possibly imagine. And for me, that makes me feel awe, but I also see God in that. I, I see God in the beauty of the infinitely small and infinitely large. And it's odd to me sometimes because I also hear people use those things as an argument for their unbelief. But for me, it's it's always the opposite. Whenever I learn more about just this world, it, it helps me to see that God is here. God is in that. And so that's one way where I feel awe. What about you, Dan? Well, uh, thanks for asking. And I uh, I apologize if I said uh, not so special because we are all special. I just don't think that, you know, any one person is so special that their thoughts, beliefs, or ideas are anyone superior in any way to anyone else's. So I love a forum like this where we can each share. Your concept and that you just said uh, reminds me. I did put down, uh, when you asked me, I did put down a couple things like that because like you, uh, it's, it's not just interesting to me. It's, it's also a source of testimony for me. Um, I'm, I'm a lot older now, and I have been down the path of of science versus religion versus philosophy. Uh, I don't go into depth in any of those except for the religion, but I know enough about all of those to see they are just what you said. They can they can be two sides of the same coin, depending on how you look at it. And that's that's what's important to me, is how do you look at it? What's your focus? What do you see in it? Um, and I don't want to dominate the time with this, but I, I, I remember I remember in a stake conference uh, leadership meeting, Elder Theodore Burton was a professor of the U in an area of uh, general authority, and he spoke, and he talked about a similar concept, and he said, he, he talked uh, geology, and he said, I have a, uh, I, I have a peer, another instructor, it's a good friend of mine, said he's left the church. And he said, I feel so bad about it because he left the church because he could not reconcile what was in the Bible with what he saw observation-wise. He could not see how one, how we could start with one continent or one thing and then end up with all these different, you know, seven different He said he could not see a way to, he said, if he had just been patient, he would have been around when we actually proved plate tectonics 
and that those things are not just possible, but occurred. And he felt really bad about that. And I think that's where a lot of us sometimes end up, is we don't see the answer right in front of us. We look out into that beautiful depth of night sky. We see all of these incredible creations, and we don't see how it happens. We don't see how our Father in Heaven could hear everyone's prayers. I don't see how that happens. We don't see how God could know what happens at the beginning of time all the way to the end of time. We don't see it. And so we start to question, and some people start to question. And I'm like you. Um, when I see those things, I have to drop back and I rely on one of my favorite scriptures in Proverbs. It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. And because I don't understand it, what's my default position? My default position is I trust in God. He, he is, he has, I have to believe because I don't understand it is not a reason not to believe. And so, and that's where I come from. And so that's, when you, when you look at this entire creation, it is, I mean, I could rattle off all of these different ways that we see things out there. And then there's all the ways that we don't see things because we need something like uh, the James Webb scope to look at another part of the mm -hmm. spectrum to see it. And we try to get answers for it. Well, guess what? Even the scientists, astronomers, and physicists don't have all the answers. They don't know. And, uh, and then when you try to bring that down to the infinitesimal, to the quantum level, it becomes even more bizarre, if you will, and to try and understand how that is. But if I may, and I know, I know I'm dominating this, but uh, because one of the things that you asked that really, that I, that was an area that really intrigued me of late was quantum entanglement. Is it okay if we talk into that? Oh, absolutely. Let's go. I, okay. I think there's a group of people that are interested in that. Well, you know, when we today. look at the yeah. uh, everything that's out there, and we and then we we try and tie that into the subatomic, with and I'm not a physicist, but as an amateur astronomer, I've also got an interest in these kinds of things, and um, you know, the questions that we all have, the questions that I've had, are just that they're questions. They're not doubts. They're questions. I don't know how that works. Why does that do that? How can that be? You know, I don't see a way that, you know, God can be in all these places, and I don't see a way that God can, you know, people uh, can reach across those vast distances. Well, guess what? Um, when we started figuring out what that there was a quantum entanglement, what that is in essence, basically, is uh, is you can take a particle and split the particle and send one of them all the way across, you can send it clear across the universe if you want. You can send it out there as far as you want. And that, those two particles know exactly what each other is doing. And when you, and when one of those particles, when you look at one of those particles to see what it's, what it reflects, what its setting is, what its status is, the other one responds immediately and knows exactly what that status is as well. Now, I happen to know enough about quantum mechanics to know that I don't know anything about quantum mechanics. 
Most people, <laughs> yes. most people are, even the scientists are confused by how all of this works and trying to understand the quantum, but we know it works. Hmm. We have used it. We have created computers that use it. Uh, really, admire you talked about uh, its uh, application in medicine, for instance. Yeah, medical imaging. Yeah, medical imaging. Uh, that's the tip of the iceberg. The, the things that this can, you know, that a quantum computer can do using this quantum entanglement uh, is absolutely incredible. And when I see that, when I can see that things can talk to each other through vast distances instantaneously, I say, well, maybe God knows more than we do. Maybe he knows how to do all of this. And that is that's why science and astronomy and all these things is a testimony to me because it tells me more than ever that God is the author of this wonderful, fabulous existence that we have. And, uh, you know, so, so you can talk about it on a quantum level and talk about it on the cosmic level. Yeah, it's amazing. And I come to the same place. Yeah. It's amazing to think about it. If you, you look at all the information we have about all what we can physically see and measure but what we can see and measure is an intimate the tiniest part of what's actually out there there's more dark matter which we have yeah. no idea what it is but who knows what that, i mean that that could be anything you know out there where the lord knows what it is and he has its you know place place for that and so there's you're right there's so much we have we we don't know enough to even have good questions at this point. I mean, we know enough to know that we don't know. You know, that's, that is such a good point. And I, when I'm asked about this or when I get an opportunity to speak about it, I, I go back to one thing, and that is, you know, as I mentioned, trust in the Lord. But there will always be mysteries. There will always be things that you don't understand, that mm -hmm. you don't completely grasp. And I love... Uh, a, a favorite person of mine was Camille Spencer, uh, president. Ooh, good name, good yeah. first name. And she was a, <laughs> what a what a wonderful woman she was, and uh, her husband was the prophet, and she used to talk about her mystery box, and she said she would kept it in a closet, and she would go to this closet and open the door, and she would take down her mystery box, and she would look at the mysteries, the things that she didn't understand. And she would say, well, I understand that now. I can see how that is. And then she'd look at another, there's no, I understand that. I, I understand. Then she would look at another and say, I don't understand that. I don't get that at all. And then she'd put her box back in the closet, close the door, and go about being this wonderful saint. And that's, that's what we should think. We are taught line upon line, precept upon precept. You're not going to know it all at one point. You just have to have faith. And periodically, someone is going to say, well, guess what we discovered? Quantum entanglement. We don't know how or why, but here's a, here's a mystery that, you know, is not a mystery anymore. Eventually, we'll know all those things. So have some faith. Have some faith. So good. I, lo I love that we got into that because I, I think we're, you know, viewing this in the same vein. Um, Jared, what what gives you awe or makes you takes your breath away? And I know you want to say Charlotte. I know you want to say Charlotte. <laughs> Good answer. That's that always that always is the, is the right answer to just about any question. Is that Charlotte? Uh, beyond that, I, I think it's it's being 
and we talked about it a little bit when I was on the podcast. It's, it's being in nature. I love being on the top of a mountain. There's there's nothing better than just being able to look out at all of God's creation and seeing just you know it's that peace and quiet of nature that always brings me awe. Yeah. Awesome. You know, could I add one thing? Of course. If, when when I thought about that. Uh, as you were speaking about it, those things do bring awe and inspiration to me. But I have to tell you that maybe the most awe-inspiring thing that I have ever witnessed was the birth of my first child. And when I saw that child come from what appeared to be nothing but come into existence and be right there, this perfect little being— so beautiful. I mean, what a creation. If it, that does not uh, speak to God. His answer is better than mine. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> no, those are all, These are all good answers. Or we're thinking of our kids who are teenagers right now. Are any teenagers listening to this? Because we have to be careful what we say here. But uh, they, they are. When kids go through that whole process, you, uh, you, have, you have in their teens, late teens, or, you know, or you have to understand that eventually, you don't believe it now, but eventually they will become the same circumspect or circumspect, more understanding human beings that will look back at you and appreciate you and what you did. They will express their love, although you can't see any of these things now. It it will happen. You know, I, I think. You know the teenage. I, I'm I'm right in the middle. I got three teenagers right now. Oh, and um, but I, even now, like at, in their teenage years, they they always surprise me. They like yeah. it, it surprises mm-hmm. me with, you know, they want to knock their heads every once in a while. But they also have a lot of things where you're like, wow, you really have like some really insightful things that come out of their mouth. Just enjoy enjoy them wherever every stage of life they're in. I think sometimes people always get so caught up on like oh when they get to this age it's gonna be really exciting or they get to, it's like just where they're at is where they're yeah, at like, i love, and love love them where they're at i yeah. agree with that and everything you guys are saying and i i think that just looking at your family too you can see god in that really easily it, just in the fact that like you're kind of getting into jared you see them come into this world with their own personality their own unique viewpoint on on several things and and you can just love and appreciate that sometimes as a parent yeah i mean i i look at you know justin's family always sits right in front of us and and you know we were just there <laughs> not that long ago when i was on the stage as you know the stand as a uh in the young bishopric member and with the little kids and but man your kids are awesome they're so great i love your son <laughs> love he's always i mean he he can tell he loves his dad yeah he's but- he's a lot of fun that is so wonderful. Yeah, he's that, almost the that's one. Really, that's really, that's really, that's the whole enchilada. That's the whole piece of cake right there, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's how we learn to love one another and not just God, but our neighbor as well. We, we start by loving the members of our family. And you get to a point where you love them so much, there's nothing you would do for them. That's that's part of that process of learning what love is about, yeah, and uh, and fulfilling that second great commandment. Awesome, I, I love where this conversation's going. I want to give Justin a chance. What what makes you feel awe or it takes your breath away? 
Uh, honestly, we've already kind of covered what I would have said. I love sciences. I always have. Um, that has always testified of, of God's uh, intelligence and creation uh, to me. And um, specifically, I have studied um, healthcare and uh, the human body uh, as much as I could, and I'm going to continue for the rest of my life. And physical therapists, I would say most physical therapists understand the human body better than doctors. I don't know about that. <laughs> that we do take a lot of anatomy classes um, and uh, a lot of physiology classes. Uh, I know, at least in primary care, we spend a lot of time going back to our books and what was that muscle again? What, how does this connect? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're pretty good when it comes to muscle and bones and things like that. But beyond that, we're that's when we turn to primary care. Yeah. But uh, no, um, I remember going through classes uh, at BYU where I learned all my physiology and anatomy. At BYU is kind of a unique place because they're strongly encouraged slash required as professors to bring in their testimonies and, and God in all of their subjects, um, which I imagine gets kind of tricky when you get to accounting classes. But <laughs> um, they, for me, they never needed to um, with the anatomy and physiology classes. It's just incredible to learn. Um how things worked. Um, you talked about um, watching firstborn child, just that whole process of how zygote becomes a gamete, becomes fetus, becomes baby, that whole process, massive uh, for the creation of God and just how everything differentiates into specific tissues and cells and what tells them to do that and how, and we still don't know. I love that. You know, one of the first uh, moments I had was uh, my senior year taking an AP biology class in high school. And talking, we went, we had a whole section on biochemistry. Now, biochemistry is a challenge for for everybody that has to do anything in oh, medicine. Absolutely. That's one of the biggest yep. challenges, is understanding at a, a cellular and subcellular level what happens to make all those things happen. That that is almost as inspiring, uh, maybe more so than the universe mm -hmm. and what we have. How in those how do those things? It's wonderful, and we know a lot about it. And the more we know about it, the more inspiring it is to me. You know? Yeah, and you were um, explaining kind of what your what brings you. Uh, I, I had a thought um, in seminary class. We would joke about um, how. Someday, so we believe that we'll all become like God and be gods of our own creations and planets and, and whatever. So we would we would take that and joke, okay, so we're going to be in heaven and, and Jesus is going to be our professor and he's going to tell us, okay, this is how you make a fish. And we take notes on how to make a fish, <laughs> right? So that was, that was the dumb joke. Um, but as you were talking, I had this thought come to me just now that, you know, maybe we're in that class right now. Like maybe that's what science is. Maybe that's what God is trying to explain to us. Uh, maybe we are learning how this works. We don't have to wait till heaven or dead or millennium or whatever. We can, we're learning it right now, how to become more like God and his creations. And that that's kind of what science is. Um, anyway, I just thought that was, a, that was an interesting idea. Yeah, let's lay it on you guys. That's a really cool, <laughs> cool thought. So, mm -hmm. I, well, I'm, I'm glad we started out because I, I like what the conversation ended up being there. Um, so what we'll do going forward here, I'd, I'd like you first to introduce yourself, Dan, uh, similar to how you would if you're going into a new ward, 
people who don't know you. And then we're going to go around the room and we're just going to talk with you about some different stories that you listed on our show notes today. Does that sound okay? Sure. sure. All right. So let's intro yourself. You're, you're in a new ward. You want to let people know about you and your family and go. Okay. I don't know how much detail you really want to know, but if I were, I would generally let my wife tell me all of the really important <laughs> But uh, for me, I, I guess a real short, I've, um, I've been a member for my for my whole life. I met I met Carol when we were in the eighth grade. She's my wife now, so I can say that. Yeah. We didn't start dating until we were seniors in high school, but we were friends before then. We both went to Utah State. We got married at the start of our junior year. So back in the day when people married a little younger than we do now, or and it was, and I like the way we do it now. Don't rush into anything, but don't waste a lot of time either. Um, I went into uh, the Air Force, twenty years there, um, flying with stints along the way. It, you know, a lot of time in Europe, Korea, the Pentagon for four years, um, and then when I got out. I flew for Delta Airlines for 15 years. I don't know if I would let everybody know that. I flew I flew for Delta. So aviation has been my uh, vocation for my whole life. Now, and along the way, I, we did a couple other things. But we've seen a lot, been to a lot of places, had a lot of experiences. And uh, the one thing that all of those experiences have solidified and given us is a tightness in a, of family and that concept of family. Uh, and we are still very, very close. And we talk about our experiences. Uh, and it, that was a very positive thing about it. And the other is my testimony uh, of God, of Christ, and the gospel. And uh, we don't need... I, I would just say that every place I've been, uh, I have never been alone. I have always, always felt my Father in Heaven close to me, and I have felt the love of Christ. And uh, that made doing all those weird things and going through all the challenges that we have had in our lives, in the end, be a positive and a great us. Cool. Thank you. Let, let's go around the room here, because I know that before the show here, we were all talking about several questions that we had. Let's start with Jared. What, what do you want to get into with Dan? Well, I'm actually kind of maybe do a little buffet. I did want to learn a little bit more about your military service. Sure. Um, I think that's a, it's a really fascinating thing. So one, I want to know about what kind of, of plane did you fly as well as, as so you were over in Europe and was as a, with the whole family? Yes. And was that pre-fall of the Berlin Wall or was that, okay, maybe was, tell us a little bit about that Yeah, that, that was pre-fall. Uh, the the short version is is that uh, I I ended up flying F fours. Mm -hmm. uh, I did that for the first ten years. Six of those years were were in Europe. The year of that was in Korea. When I left Korea, I uh, came back and I got the opportunity to be one in the first F sixteen squadron. Wow. And uh, we after we finished our instruction, we became the flight instructors for the rest of the F-16 world. And uh, that allowed us to see 
because F-16 is a worldwide fighter yeah. uh, that allows to do kind of some international things. But also, it was just a, that's a whole other story. The F-16 was, was a wonderful experience as well. Four years I spent in the Pentagon, I did not fly. Uh, but then I came back and flew 16s for four more years. So that was basically the the military experience. And what was the second part of that question? Well, I kind of wanted to hear because Europe was a very different place back About then. About Europe, and and especially Germany, it was right right at the at yes. the forefront of kind of you know the whole Cold Cold War. And I was kind of wondering yeah. what that experience, not only in the military but also. Yeah, I've had a lot of family and friends that have also, my dad, I grew up in the military family that have spent time over there. And that oftentimes that's a very unique church experience in some of those small little branches. They're very, they're very much is. And uh, that, that's an excellent question. Uh, the Berlin Wall was still up when I was over there. It was pre-fall. Uh, pre yeah. Uh, that meant that our, we were in uh, the Cold War. And the Cold War uh, meant that we both stood on both sides of the wall, if you would, with the ability to inflict severe damage, and that ability also was deterrent so that we did not try to, you know, anything that you tried would be reflective, and that's, that's the essence of it. And so you try to avoid that at all costs. But it did drive the mission that we that we had when we were in the military. I turned it turns out in Germany, I was in the uh, I was in two different stakes in Germany. There were three military stakes in Germany. I mean, that was what our presence was. We had a very long and firm came out of the end of World War II. We were still there, still fighting the Cold War. So we had a lot of presence, and a lot of presence meant we also had a lot of members. We had three wonderful stakes, and I was a, uh, in one of those stakes, uh, I was a high councilman, and uh, we visited branches and wards. One of the, two of the branches were about three hours away and up closer to the border. And uh, so getting to know and getting to share the gospel and uh, was sometimes a real challenge. The funnest challenge and the biggest challenge, we also had a ward in Berlin itself, and uh, and it was a ward. And uh, I had a speaking assignment. We, we generally, we rotated. I had a speaking assignment in Berlin. Well, to get into Berlin, you had to travel through East Germany. And to get through East, I mean, this is all part of the USSR. So you had to go through a lot of hoops to get through East Berlin and into Berlin itself. And uh, I remember you ended up having to take the night train and you had to keep the curtains closed and you couldn't open the curtains anytime and look outside. You had They were very strict about things like that. And uh, of course, the first time we came to a stop, you know, and they come through and they check your papers and everything else. When no one was looking, of course, the first thing I did was open the curtains and look. <laughs> You know, and I and I saw that we were in a walled off section, and there were guards everywhere. You know, it, it was a totally different world, and and people that grew up in that world, uh, you sometimes hear about it. You know, the boomers have a different perspective because we grew up with that. So did the next generation. Yeah, we, you know, but 
then we got to Berlin, and here's this island of Western civilization and freedom and and beauty, and the beauty was in the people, and the ward members were wonderful people, and it was it's just you know it, it just reflective of what of the world, if you will, now because we always talk about being in the world but not of it. And when you go through all this darkness and you go through all of these eras of challenge and you and you just and you you have you don't want to be depressed, but it's so hard. And then you see something bright and good. And guess what? It's always been there. It's just obscured by the world sometimes. Now have you been back? Because I would say as a Delta pilot, you know, you've flown, you've have, got to I would love to. Not been back mm-hmm. to, to Germany since? I have since? not been down since, or oh. back since the wall came down. But I watched with everybody else, yeah. you know, when it occurred. And I and I was, talk about awe-inspiring. That, that was inspiring. Uh, it turns out you probably, maybe, you don't, you probably know this, that um, we are generally... We are now in Germany. The, when I say we, the, the church and the gospel are in Germany. They were in West Germany always, but now they're in East Germany. Now they're in Russia or in Ukraine. Now they're in all of these other countries. Uh, when that wall came down, one of the things that occurred was they also opened, end up opened the doors to religion. And what the first religion in was the, the Catholic Church. The second religion then was the LDS Church. And we have had this arrangement, this cooperation with the Catholic Church, and you see it all around at this time. Wasn't always that way when I was young, but we are now because of that. And that and that collaboration has strengthened a belief in Christ in my mind, and certainly the gospel in the lives of many people. So there was something that did come out of all of that, and uh, yeah, I remember the wall coming. I remember watching it. Wasn't that exciting? It was, yeah. it was amazing. But then also, I I I served my mission in New York, but I had a lot of friends uh, that served in Poland, in Bulgaria, in Romania, yes. you know, in, yeah, in Russia, and and so you know, all, like you know, I was I think it was like eight when they came down. You know, so it was only like ten years later that oh all goodness. all these mission, all my friends. A lot of my friends were in those countries that were previously completely blocked off. I mean, so, I mean, when it happens, when the Lord's ready, it's, it's His time is ready. He, he can make things happen quick. And ten and years is, it seems like it may be a long time. It's not. No, and I, but I have to say, I did not see it coming. I mean, having been in that environment for that long, yeah, you you say it's not. I don't see how we get past this. Yeah. Yep. And then here we are. I I was talking to a friend who just on that topic because this happened in our lifetime, Jared. I I don't know if Justin if just you end before, up being just before. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But I I was talking to a friend, Peter Grossnickel, actually of Fourth Ward, who we're going to interview next month, and he served his mission over there, and and it was after the Berlin Wall had had fallen, and and he noticed it was it was very different still between west and east germany as far as belief system 
And he was talking to some of the first members over in East Germany, and they said to the day it fell, they didn't believe that it could actually happen, uh, which is I, crazy. I yeah. see that. I see that. So never say never. It's, it's the <laughs> Lord's time. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's you hear these things like we all of a sudden we're seeing with building a temple in somewhere in China, mm -hmm. as well as like one in the Middle East somewhere. I can like we Dubai. Do have one in the Middle East. I saw that. I, uh, I'm I think to... Dubai has a yeah. I mean, like, yeah. who would have ever thought that that would have ever been possible mm -hmm. to happen in you know predominantly Muslim country? I mean, that's just it's just such a dichotomy of what you you know. It's just, you just would never expect it, but here it is. Yeah. Just kind of one of those things going back to our theme we started with. You know, you see God in that. You, oh, you see Him doing His work. Absolutely. And Justin, what did you want to get into here? Yeah, um, you were really stood out to me was um, you said the question was, what are you most proud of? And you answered that my family members all have loving hearts. Um, so I just wanted to ask, did you have any say in that? Did you teach your kids that? Did they come that way? Um, and I asked that because as a parent, I would love to teach my children to all have loving hearts. So how did, how did that happen? Wow. That's a, that's a good question. I wish I could write down the answer because I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think I think I put that down. First of all, this is something that everyone knows. The best thing you can do for your children is to love their mother. That's that's not my quote. That's uh, I think Nitschke, and I think Nitschke borrowed it from somewhere, but it has always stuck with me. If I think if your children see that you and your companion love one another. That, that's maybe the best thing that you can do. Um, then from there, it, it, it's, all, it's all example. It's showing them love, teaching them what love is, and then hoping that they see it as well, as see it as you do. I don't think anybody has ever written any book or given any counsel or therapy that answers that question satisfactorily, because every parent knows, uh, if you live long enough, that your children are going to have challenges and you're going to scratch your head, and it's and it's, you're also you're going to shed a few tears. Those things happen. So what what I always say and what I believe firmly is that you love one another, and you love God, and you let them know that, you let them see that, and you especially let them see how much you love them. And, uh, and the other side of that is, is this. All three of my children, and it's a little hard for me, all three of my children were married in the temple and had good testimonies and have since left the church. My son, we, we lost 12 years ago. It's the hardest thing a parent will ever go through, is to lose a child. But to the day that we lost him, he was as good a man as I know. And he loved his family, and he loves his children. But his demons were just too strong. My daughters, 
are single moms. And it's been hard for them. But to this day, they love their family, and they love everyone around them, and they have good hearts. And I have to believe, and I do believe, and I know that a loving God knows that as well, and he knows what's in their heart. And I would say to all parents, family, when you have someone that you feel is strained, someone that has disappointed you in some way, you never stop loving them. God has never stopped loving us. We have all done things that we could kick ourselves about. But he has never given up on us, and he has never stopped loving us. And that's what we do with our children. You always are there, and you always love them no matter what. And you do what you can to be supportive, but they, you've, done, you've done what you're supposed to do. You've tried to teach them to the best of your capabilities, who they are. And that's in there. That's there. Have faith. God has a plan. He has a long-term plan. And he will give every one of us, every one of us, every opportunity to bring ourselves up and to be with him again someday. So just have, have a little faith. Don't despair. Just be grateful and just love them. That, uh, this topic has come up before, and I thank you so much for sharing this, by the way, because I, I think it's really helpful for people that go through family members leaving the church. And, and we've all been through that to some extent. You know, I, I think it's a little different with a, a child, you know, one of your kids, but, you know, we've, Camille and I have gone through that in our families. And I, I think what you're bringing up is, uh, is something we've heard before, which is stay in the conversation, you know, just stay a part of their life. Because there are things you can do and say that can end that relationship pretty quick. Um, and, and you're right, God's playing the long game, and we forget that sometimes. It can feel like things need to happen at an instant. But, you know, there, there are really cool ways I've seen in my own life that this has played out. And I'll, I'll share a brief story. I don't want to take too much time on it. But, you know, just this past weekend, we went to a family reunion up in Spokane. And, you know, it, I have a cousin, and hopefully he doesn't mind me sharing this because he listens <laughs> to the podcast. But, um, he, you know, he's had questions about the church and been in and out of the church for 20 years. But he never stopped asking questions, and we never cut him out uh, of our lives. And I, he called me on the way up to the family reunion. And you know how you, every once in a while you get some news on a day, and you're like, that's what I needed to hear today? He, he said, I'm going to go through the temple and get my endowment, and I want you to be my escort. And I, we were just looking at each other you know, afterwards, after going to the temple, and like, how did this happen? Like, how did we get here? <laughs> and it it's just one of those times where you go, God was in this. You know, God was involved here. How did that wall come down? Yeah. How did those two particles speak to each other? How does any of this happen? Happens for one reason and through one 
our Father in heaven, he he has us covered. I I wanted to ask you a follow-up question about family because you worked in two different um, areas where it can pull you away from the family a lot as far as time and just location too. Yeah. How do you keep family a, a priority when it seems like you're being pulled a thousand different directions? Wow, that's a hard one. Well, when I was when I was in the military, I was I was actually gone quite a bit. Plus, the days are long. Um, when I flew for Delta, I'd be gone for three or four days, but then I would be home for three or four days. And all I can say, I think, is that you you adjust your schedule when you can if it makes sense, and you don't always get a choice in doing that. But you make, for me, you make the most of the time you have when you're there. And you do things with your family, even if they're little things. You just, you are there for them, you're present. You're not out doing something else. You're not out there on the lake with the boys. You're not you know, you're not. There are a lot of things, a lot of interests that we all have that you you could end up missing. So much of what happens with your family, you make a conscious decision, and then it becomes automatic to focus on your family when you can. Yeah. Um, we used to, when I was in Europe, every chance we got, we would go do something as a family. We would go somewhere. We would have memorable. Uh, vacations because you you would get time off. We would do things that brought us together, and we shared. Your kids remember much of the year because they were. I know your at least a couple of your kids. That's, they're they're, that's, they're about my age, and so they must have been little. So yeah, that's, uh, that's a good question. My 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 son was the uh, my son was the oldest, and he was six, and he got to he got to the point where he could speak German. Wow! And he, his best friend was our next door neighbor who was German. And uh, I've heard him speak German from, you know, just, and listen, and it's conversational. And they, and they tell me, the, the German said, he just doesn't have an accent. You know, it's yeah. just, and that's what young people can do. And then, of course, he lost it when we left. But my other daughter was, uh, my oldest daughter was three and a half. And she barely remembers any of it. Yeah. She sort of remembers, but she doesn't remember but the important thing to remember is, is doing those things, it's easy to love a four-year-old or a five-year-old. You know, It's harder for a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old. Yeah. But you still do all of the things that you can. We used to, we used to I'm, I'm sorry, when we were back east, when I was uh, stationed back there in the Pentagon, we used to go someplace every opportunity we got, every Saturday. Uh, and uh, which was usually the time and on vacation. But we got to the point where my kids were saying, are we going to another dead person's home? Because all these historic sites on the East Coast, <laughs> you know, you, you, there are just so many that, you, you know, and we would go there and we would walk and we would we would do things together. Would have You just do things with your family when you can. And you talk about things with them, and that's the important thing: is to communicate and talk about things with them. And they do 
remember with fondness those experiences, yeah. and they can recall them. They still they still talk about them. You know, so. it's that that old song. You know, the cats in the cradle. It's like, yeah. if, yes. if you oh, don't, if you don't, if you don't invest, yeah. <laughs> if you don't invest your time when they're little, yeah. they're not going to have time for you when they're older. So, but. Justin, that's that's a great question. There, there is no magic bullet. You probably in your heart know what the answer is, and my guess is that you are doing that very thing. You, all three of you, good brother, are doing the right things right now. That's that's what does it. He started off yeah. well, but by being married, you know, you got a Hillary is a fantastic <laughs> person. So that, that was that that was your first win. That was a hand of God right <laughs> there. Too. I am curious though because we're all at you know Jared and I are about the same phase of life ish, but you know we're in different phases of life, and I I am curious about you, Justin, and you, Jared, too. How how do you make family a priority when you are like really busy right now? Yeah, I, I think that's still a struggle for us, and that's uh, I, that's why I appreciate your words of wisdom here, Brother Nelson. Um, that's why we brought you here, Justin. Yeah. Really, <laughs> Hillary told me like we need to we need yeah. to shape Justin can up you, a bit. Yeah, you learn a few things. <laughs> can he come talk to you? Yeah. yeah. Um, Podcast I was, intervention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I hope this. I, I probably won't clip that out. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. What was the question? How do you how do you find how, how do you prioritize how do you, the family? Um, yeah, thank yeah. you. Okay, um, you know we have struggled with like um, I'll bring up an example of family scripture study, and and you said brother Nelson just use the time that you have. Um, the time that we have is kind of limited, um, just because I go to work early and come home a little bit late, um, and kids go to bed early. Uh, so the time that we have is is dinner time and and getting ready for bedtime, and so dinner time is our scripture study time now. Um, so while they're eating, we take five ten minutes and explain some principle that was brought up in the Come Follow Me manual this week. Um, they absolutely love to hear stories, so we try to bring as many stories as possible. They love even more personal stories about mom and dad and their prior life before having kids because they don't know if that exists or not. They just <laughs> parents think, just come I to me. Sharing <laughs> sharing your life as husband and wife from the beginning is important. Yeah. I think they should know that. Yeah. Yeah. I was telling a story about Paul and I was doing this dramatic build up and I'm like, we're gonna tell a story about a missionary. And they're all excited. Was it you, Dad? Was it you? And, <laughs> well, no, this one's about Paul. <laughs> oh, who's Paul? <laughs> anyway, so I, I wish I had a missionary story at that time. And I've told I told them stories before, but um, uh, anyway, that so just like you said, make use of the time. Uh, I think another thing is just um, when I was younger as a parent, I thought I had this idyllic uh, expectation of what. Scripture study should be, you know, everybody, two-year-old is sitting on the couch nice and quietly, opening their Book of Mormon, ready to read, <laughs> and, and that has not ever happened, ever. <laughs> uh, and I finally listened to somebody else, and they said that get rid of that idyllic expectation. That's never going to happen, and that's not how it's supposed to be either. Uh, just use the time that you have. I like that you said that. Um, so that's a uh, that's what we do. You'll, uh, you'll be surprised, yeah. though. I, I know when our kids were your as his age, it, we were never trying to like you know. Right now, our kids are older, so we read whole you know we read a chapter as a family. 
if we got one column, like one half of a page, yeah, that's all we could do, and that was good. <laughs> and it was amazing though, because like after a while, like you like, I'm like, man, why are we doing this? Like it's yeah. not like going to church. Sometimes you go to church and you're like, all we're doing is wrestling, kids. I'm like, are we getting anything out of this? But yeah. it's setting those principles and setting those habits, yeah. and then all of a sudden, one time, like you know, they'll say something you're like, where they reflect something that they sh- that they heard in the scriptures a couple days before, and you're like. Holy cow! They actually are listening, yeah. <laughs> and and it gets better. I mean, like now, scripture groups actually is it's a lot of fun now. Our kids are at the point in their lives where they're they're old enough they can sit down and enjoy it, and they actually it's kind of just because it's something that he built from when they were your guys' age that now they're like this is just what we do, and they have friends over and they're like all right, well you're coming in and you're going to do scripture in prayer with us, and so I think it's but the getting through those hard times. Thing is, you're gonna look back and you're gonna miss these times. I know it's yeah. that's a that's a really good point. If I if I could if I could pass anything on to uh, new parents, because I get asked this a lot, but when your kids are little, I think we mentioned this before, they are so easy to love and interact with. It's just fun, and I always get asked. I said, "Well, how do you deal with them when they're teenagers?" I said, "Well, I won't be, I won't pull any punches." I said, "It's harder, and it's more challenging." But the blessings are greater. Yep. And at least you're not potty training him in there. Yeah. <laughs> Except for that. The, uh, and, you know, as they get older, it's different, more challenging in some ways. But it's, in some ways, it's even more fun. And it's more of a blessing in your lives. And as they get older, they will be even greater blessings. And that's how it balances yep. itself out. The challenges get greater. But the blessings get great. Well, what I'm hearing is, you know, you you set the intention, uh, you be flexible, and it's not always about quantity. It's it's the quality of time that you're spending with them. And if I could add one thing too, just that I've learned is is for our kids, one of the most important things we can do as a parent is just tell them who they are. You know, because I I think we're tempted to focus on who they aren't and helping them become that thing. But really, I, I, telling them that they're a son or daughter of God, um, telling our sons that they're strong, that they're capable, telling our, our young women that they're beautiful, that they are deserving of somebody um, who's wonderful, I, I think that's one thing that is really important that we can do as parents. So thank you for that. Absolutely. That brings up, a, I just remembered, um, it was a talk by Elder Bednar a few years ago. He talked about he was describing a painting that he has in his office of a of a field of wheat, and he kind of talked about walking straight up to the painting, right up next to it. It just looks like a bunch of brown, yellow, white lines, um, and then as you fade back, there's just this beautiful, gorgeous um, painting of the wheat field. And he talked about how scripture study and learning the gospel is a lot like each one of those strokes of paint, and it just takes persistence and consistency, um, and then as each one of those sessions of scripture study goes, that's one more stroke of paint. And then years and years later, you look back and it's this beautiful tapestry. So uh, I have faith in that, and I appreciate hearing all your experience uh, testifying that that's true. So uh, that's helpful for me. Thanks. Cool. <laughs> Let's never undervalue even the smallest interaction that you can have 
you know, when you're when your schedule's tight, you don't have much time, and you get home. There's three kids, and the, only one of them is up. What you say or do with that one child for just even a few minutes is meaningful. So if yeah. time is tight, totally do what you can. Let's thank you. I, I enjoyed that conversation a lot. Let's kick the back over to Jared for a bit. What else do you want to get into with Dan? So I want to hear a little bit more about your obsession or your interest with astronomy. Oh dear! You know, I I think of of you know you get into those really tall places and you know, the air's thinner, it's darker, and I imagine up in a an airliner or up in an F sixteen at thirty thousand feet or out over the ocean, you can see some pretty amazing uh, stars out there. So what what led you to to really enjoy astronomy? Go out at night and look up in the sky. And uh, and what you see out there, if it doesn't, it just made me wonder. And you know, we've already talked about the awe factor when you look at all of that. And uh, and I also, you know, I a lot of things interest me. The night sky interests me. The cosmic approach interests me. The minute, they're all interesting. And so the one thing I've done, and I, and I would suggest this about anyone, is never stop learning. Always, you know, even at this point in my life, there are still things I want to learn. I want to know more about. I want to do. And astronomy or the night sky was one of them. And I wanted to know more about that. And... uh and so as I started to read or started to look at and started to understand, it was a natural progression to, uh, well, I need a telescope. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, and then you then start. I need a bigger telescope. You start researching <laughs> oh, that's telescope. What, that's what I'm well, on You right got to resist that, but that's true. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then I need to know more about what I'm looking at. Yeah, and then you know, and I I want to be able to, and then pretty soon you start understand more of what you're looking at out there, and you become more impressed, and it's more awe inspiring, and you and you you see what nebulas really are, and you see what star clusters are, and you see that you said a, a binary. You talked about binary star binary, system. We we found one at encampment with our telescope right back there. Um, you could have one. Yeah, we got a, we got a little setup back there. Yeah, but we we were looking at the stars with the young men in encampment, and we found a binary star system, and they were thrilled by it. And then you find out that almost all, certainly the vast majority of every star you see out there has a companion, a binary or a trinary. Sometimes more than that, but either binary or trinary system. And then you think, well, why do they have that? And what does that look like? And can I see some more? And, you know, and then you see clusters that look like little galaxies. And there's a bunch of them hanging around the outside of the galaxy. And they're, where did they come from? But you look at them and there's just 100,000 stars in this tight little thing. And if you had a planet in there, it would be bright all day, every day. Uh, you, you know, and you just start to see things like that. And the creations of, of that is just it's just fun. So I joined an astronomical. I joined the Salt Lake Astronomical Society. Yeah, because I wanted to do more. And and they get together once a month and they talk about these things and they show shows of presenters and physics or astrophysics from the nearby university. And we and I came here it was natural to join this one, the Eugene Astronomical Society. 
and uh, and you can pick your level of involvement, but it's just you know it's just something fun. So there are other things that you may have an interest in too. Astronomy is one that I have. Now, but don't don't stop learning. Always learn something. And you you ask what have I? What is an interaction with that? With uh, flying, for instance, my aviation experience. And uh, some of the most awe-inspiring things I've seen uh, as much as through telescopes have been in the cockpit of an aircraft. I remember we, uh, we ferried some F-16s out across the Atlantic and over to Egypt. And uh, we took off out of the Canary Islands at uh, 2.30 in the morning. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm out over the Atlantic, and there's no moon. There's no ground lights. There's nothing. Yeah. And I've got this canopy that I can see everything. And I and I look up there and I I just I can still see that mental image I have. There's so many, so much out there that you couldn't pick one thing. You I mean the milk the Milky Way was this vast, beautiful band. I couldn't see any constellations because every star was seemed bright. And it was just, it was just incredible. I remember flying an all-nighter from Anchorage, Alaska, down to Salt Lake, and uh, one night. And this only happened one time. And I, and uh, we were, uh, we took off, and uh, about two or three in the morning, we are flying in the, in the Northern Lights, the Aurora Borealis. All is all around us, and I'm looking. Oh, so I'm cool. looking at this, and I'm seeing it everywhere, and it's it's above. I've never seen anything and like that. And you think that. of all those people in the back of the plane that are probably sleeping and missing this entire. Wake show. up! <laughs> you gotta see this. You should want to get on the horn. Like, uh, this is your captain speaking. You all <laughs> need to wake up and take a look out the look windows. Look out there, <laughs> you know. And uh, and so the, the, there have been many times when I've I've seen things. Maybe not quite as uh, as brilliant as that, but it, it, you know, yeah, that's a bucket list it's, item it's, for me. I've, yeah. I've I've seen the Northern Lights a little bit out in the you know, but never really in their full glory. And that's oh, I, I need to get up to Alaska, well, it, it was, Greenland, or it's incredible. That's the trip that we had planned with the Marchants that I still want to do because we were going to do Iceland. And get one of those bubble hotels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. It's still on my bucket list, too. So maybe you and I need to talk about it. <laughs> there, there you go. I, so, yeah, you can, there's a lot of things. I'm surprised you didn't ask me the other question that I get asked all the time. Uh, I, I always get asked, what about the UFOs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of that. that. That's newsworthy right now, too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's classified. We can't tell. That was one of those things he said. You don't mention. It. No. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't say. I didn't say don't mention. I will. I will tell you what my answer is to the question that I always get when they find out that I'm a, a pilot and I've flown all those years. Is what about the UFOs? What are you know? What are we hiding? What are we? And I, I'm going to be honest with you. There's nothing they're hiding. Okay. There are. There are some things that are classified that people don't talk about. Um, but there is nothing, there's a lot of things unexplainable. That's what a UFO is. But there's nothing that points to 
an alien interjection in our sphere. And I've never seen or done anything that would tell me that's got to be an alien. I have seen things that I said, that's really odd, but I've never seen anything that allowed my imagination to make yeah. the leap to an alien object. Uh, we have meteorites, those are alien. Um, you know, and there are things that we can't explain, but what's a meteorite shower look like from an airplane from a from a cockpit? I actually have seen one of those. I've seen I've seen a lot of cool meteorite showers yeah. from the ground. It's by being in the air, it's got to be a different a different. Field. Well, it it's it's not it's not so much more incredible than from the ground as it is. Uh, you'll see more of them. Yeah, mm. and you know that because yeah. meteors are usually most of them are little specks of dust. They're just little tiny things. But they, you know, they come in so fast, they burn so quickly that they they brighten up uh, a little bit. The larger ones brighten up a lot, but you'll see even all the little ones when yeah. you're doing that. So, the, you know, so you just see a lot of them, which is really kind of fun too. Yeah, but that's pretty exciting. But they're fun from the ground <laughs> to watch as well. So that's that's my that's my astronomy interest. I do have a telescope. I do look up periodically. I, I we, we may be hitting you up here in, in yeah, a very short order. Uh oh, for uh, for young men's combined. We, we combine with third and fifth. Oh, they really want to do that. They, they definitely yeah. have a high well, interest. Would you know we we have a pretty active uh, uh, Eugenius Astronomical Society is pretty active, and uh, if contacted. I'm pretty sure you could get a Class A one with a really nice telescope to do something together. Sounds like a plan to me. I, I'm, we'll, we'll, I be, we'll be leaning on you for that. We, we're, I'm don't sure. Mind. I'll, I'll give you the. I'll give. I'll, I can soften the way, but I can send you the contacts, and I'm. You know, there's a good chance that they would be happy to do that. That'd be amazing. We'll we'll definitely well, be. Uh, I'm glad we. About that. I'm glad we went in that direction. That, that's awesome, uh, Justin. What else do you want to talk about? Yeah, uh, you said you had a, a story about why pink is your favorite color. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I wanted to talk about Uh-oh. that. Uh-oh. <laughs> because pink, um, pink is my wife's favorite color. Pink is my favorite color uh, primarily and uh, is because it reflects for me how marvelous and how important, how impactful the sisters in our world are. And I can, I can start from the top and go to the bottom. I wear a pink tie every Sunday. I, pink is my favorite color. I worked for the Susan G. Coleman uh, breast cancer. Uh, I've done some with them. But for me, this is, my my personal side in the short version is women have always been so important to me and I have seen the strength that they are and what they do. And we should we should all be so grateful and respectful to have the sisters be who they are and be in our lives. And uh, my my grandmother was the only person in my family that could witness 
my ceiling with my wife. And she was the only grandparent I knew. And she was a she was a pioneer and she was a strong, wonderful, faithful woman. And uh, she was such a great example to me. My mother was always the one who I had. My dad was a lot of fun and he was a good man, but my mother was the one that I had the heart-to-heart conversations with that, talk, that I talked about. I never had any sisters. I always wish that I did. My, my wife is my strength. She, you know, she is my anchor, and she, she's absolutely wonderful. My daughters are the love of my life. I mean, they are, they're so wonderful. But sisters in general, I see, I, I see how wonderful they are, how spiritual they are. I see what a strength they are. And uh, I, this is my personal belief, you may, you Edit this out if you want. Hot take alert. (laughs) But uh, but I, you know, I I think as brethren in the gospel, we receive the priesthood, and we know what the doctrine covenant says about how we are supposed to use and wield the priesthood. Uh, But we still don't do a great job with recognizing and empowering the sisters, and single sisters especially. Yeah. And you would you would know this, Bishop, from personal experience as I do, uh, is that it's harder for single sisters to find their way into the Ward family and into the gospel. And, uh, and I, for one, I'm trying to do everything I can to 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 make a difference in that. And uh, I just tell I just tell all the brethren, and I do all the time, I said, talk to the sisters. Just go up and treat them like every other person in the ward that and show them that you love them just as much and that you're, you know, that you support them just as much. Just do the simple things. But guys sometimes, brethren sometimes are a little bashful about talking to a single sister. And uh, I was a high priest group leader in one ward where I had 43 single sisters. And uh, I grew to love them. I can't say more than the brethren, because you can't do that. But, I, but you know, I, I, saw, I saw what they lived and how they had to do it. And it doesn't take much. They are such good, faithful people, and we just sometimes don't— recognize that enough they just they just want to be part of the family part of the gospel just yeah. like we do treat, I, treat them think, just like that and i think you know this is just a small part of what you're getting into here but i reminding them of the power that they have too absolutely um, and i it, it's not a secret you know the brethren have talked to us about this you know if if the women in our our wards have been through the temple they have priesthood power in their life if they've had hands put on their head to lead a presidency, they use bestowed priesthood power. They, um, they, have, they have the same priesthood power. I love that we have, especially with President Nelson, uh, I love the emphasis that we have had uh, in the gospel of, of late on that very principle. Uh, I, I'd love to see it because they are. They need to know that, you know, 
we are the vessel, but the power of the priesthood is given to both brethren and sisters. They they need to know that. You're right. Well, and you talk about the it's just those little things that oftentimes that the the women of the church or in general see that we don't always aren't always as, as quick to, to be a part of. I know, you know, Justin, we talked about how, you know, when I was in the bishopric, I had little kids. Well, who was sitting next to my little kids in Charlotte? Kathleen, who's the same woman that's now sitting next <laughs> to your little kids exactly. and helping be able to keep them oh my gosh. Um, entertained. And, and it, it is one of those things. She's Thank you, Kathleen. Asked. You're awesome, by yeah. the way. She's, yeah. she's not asked. <laughs> she is awesome. She just, well she just does it because she, she sees the need and she is is there, and she's just so loving and so um, great with those kids. And it's one of those things where it's it's not a calling. It, it's just she does because she loves. And I think those are the type of things where you know some of these single sisters are are so strong and so have that ability to be able to affect lives, even you know in, in just those little ways. Yeah, they're not asking. They they would never ask to be put on pastoral. We w- and we should never do that. Or that's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about treating them like our brothers and sisters. The, yeah, uh, they are our spiritual brothers and sisters, and you know, just recognize that. And that's why pink is my favorite color. Oh, it's so great. I might clip that. That's that's a good endpoint right there. That's a that's a really good um. The best explanation of favorite color, I would say, since we've been doing this. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to talk with you a bit about how you got your tactical call sign. Because okay. I, I think, okay, this is very casual thinking for me, but I immediately go to Top Gun and I'm, that's the first thing I think of, Maverick, Goose. Yep. <laughs> but yep. tell, us, tell us about that story. Well, okay, I'll, and I, I'll try and I'll keep this as compact as I can. To get a tactical call sign, it is you do not, you do not, you do not determine nor create your own tactical call sign. Someone else does, and it's usually the tactical call sign committee that does that. And and it's usually if you go to a remote assignment. And uh, it, there are other ways that it can be done. For the Navy, it's probably you, 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 go, you go out to sea for six months or something. You, there, anyway, you, you're out there, you're a squadron, and this tactical call sign committee is the three newest and the three oldest uh, or the three closest to being uh, reassigned. And they form the committee and they pick one for you. And they pick one for you that reflects something about you. And so you'll get Maverick because Maverick is always kind of going out on the edge and pushing the envelope, you know. If you ask anybody about the tactical call sign, there's a story behind every one of them. Uh, I've heard Boomer, Speed Break, Moose. I've, I've, <laughs> there are more than you can ever imagine. So anyway, but I'm new in Korea, Kunsan Air Base. I'm relatively new there, and and they're going to get together and give me a tactical call sign. And so, and I know how they did it now. I didn't know then, but now I know how they did it. Uh, I was uh, a Kunsan Air Base is a remote, one year away from family on a remote air base. Uh, and there's a nine-hole golf course. So somebody's going to make the connection really quick here. There's nine-hole golf course on the on the base. 
And I'm uh, sitting there on the tee at number seven on a Saturday. And over on the right side of the fairway is a uh, drainage ditch and a slope. And on the slope, that's where all the the, um, officer's barracks are. Here's my squadron mates all out sunbathing. And they're hooting and hollering as they want to do when you're on remote and you're and it's a weekend. And they're they're hooting and hollering for me because they want to see me hit the ball into the big pond that's between <laughs> me and the fairway. That's where the ball wants to go. That's where they they <laughs> want to go there so badly. And I'm sitting on the tee and I'm and I'm looking at them and they're they're egging me on, they're just begging, you know, and they're hoping is what they're really doing. So I looked at him, I looked down at the ball, and I purposely topped it and smacked it right into the pond. And the crowd went wild. They, <laughs> they absolutely loved it. And then I, I and then I hit another one over and, and played through, and, and they thought it was just great, and they waved me on. And then a week later, I get the tackle call sign, Arnie. Oh, yeah, Arnold Palmer, and, yeah. And there it is, is, Arnie's Army, and I am, and I get Arnie. And so to this day, that's my call sign, is Arnie. Oh, that's so good. I, I was just thinking about intentionally topping the ball. I'd probably blast a perfect drive. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I got lucky. It wasn't that uh, that hard. Oh, that's so good. Um, it, it can backfire you, and you can edit this out if you want. Yeah. There was another guy who wanted, uh, he was kind of a, you don't get very many, you don't get very many kind of off people in, in fighter squadrons. You just don't. Everybody's, I mean, this is like a tight group of good people, uh, always has been. But he wanted his, he was one of those that was just off a little bit, and he wanted his own call sign. Uh, he wanted to be warlord. So bad. <laughs> he wanted to be warlord so bad, and uh, and so he he that's putting all your eggs in one he basket. went out there and campaigned for his uh, and you don't do that you 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 can only He's imagine call that can, like Nancy Boy or something. that's oh. not going to go well and, and it didn't because a week later he got his tactical call sign officially from the call sign committee and his. Tactical call sign was and is till this day war slug, war slug, <laughs> war slug, <laughs> and it oh. was not pretty. And he was just a little bit stocky, and so it was even more sensitive for him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so you, you do not. There's certain rules that you play by, and, and that was one of them. And and that's just that's just a human nature one. But uh, anyway, so you, you're grateful. My wife always says. You get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. And so that's what it is for tactical car sign. Oh, good that's, question. That's so good. I, I love that. It that's makes awesome. me – do you guys see the Guardians of the Galaxy movies? Yeah. Uh, yes. It makes me think of when the, the guy says, oh. I'm taser face. <laughs> <laughs> see, he kept calling himself Star-Lord. Yeah. Uh, well, you can't call – no. Make up your own. That's never true. No, you can't. Yeah. You can't. Oh, do you guys want to keep going, or are we at a good end point right now? We're about an hour and twenty in. Is there any other question? Anything you... else you guys want to get into? I, I, uh, yeah. I've what got check marks What other those. things could I have done? Yeah, I did want to ask a little bit about that. What are kind of some optional career paths you've 
pondered or thought of or fantasized? That, see, I, I think that's a good question. Yeah. Too. It, only only because of this. I'll I'll just I'll 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 make this short. When I was at the Pentagon, at the end of my four-year tour there, I had one more assignment in the Air Force before I was the 20-year point. So I had to decide, at 20 years you can get out, uh, that's a full retirement. And so I had to decide what was I going to do. And I had a couple of options. I had a, I had a couple of advanced degrees at this point. So I, I had done some work with Rand Corporation, the think tank in Santa Barbara, and they wanted, they wanted me to come work for them. Uh, I was offered a position, not a, a position, I, I was offered the opportunity to be a general's aide. So if I wanted to stay in the military, then I could stay in the military. I could stay in the military and then become a colonel and then not, you know, then my life is not my own kind of thing. If I went to Rand Corporation, then I end up, you know, with moving the whole family to some place that I, anyway, but it's still appealing. Then there was the opportunity to just finish the the last four years flying somewhere and then applying for Delta Airlines, for an airline, one of them. And so I, I had that decision to make. And I talked with my family, and they, they said, whatever you want to do, we'll support. But I heard, I heard the other things they were saying, so I, I was listening to them. And this was this is one time in my life that I really humbly got on my knees and asked for help in helping me decide what was what I should do. And in the end, I uh, the answer that came to me is and it goes back to what we talked about before, Justin. What would be best for your family? And I mean, I looked at all of these things. What would be best for my family? Would it be go? Would it be fly for four more years out of Hill? We had roots there. Get my kids back into the same school system that they were when I was there the first time. Give us a transition period and apply for an airline to fly out of uh, that area if I could do that. And once I made that decision, I. And I prayed about it. I had this wonderful feeling. I said, "This is this is the right path." Now I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if I'm going to be, you know, I don't know how any of that's going to work. But I at least know that wherever it was going to be, whether whether I got, I didn't get the answer. Do this. I got the answer. It's going to work. You're going to be okay. And you know, if you keep your family. First, everything will be out, will work out, and you'll be just fine. He didn't tell me, go do this. That's not how the Lord works. But he gave me the faith and the uh, comfort to know whatever I chose to do. And that's what I chose. And it did exactly that. It just worked out. And, and I got a chance. You talk about being away from your family for— when I flew for Delta, I was away for three or four, but I was home for three or four. And those days that I was home were invaluable. I saw my family every day. I got to do things with them. I got to, you know, inter and we had a wonderful 
time. And, and Carol and I had a, a wonderful experience with it. It will work out if you have faith in the Lord. Take, don't look for A, B, or C, but look for a, a spiritual influence in your life that will get you to a good place, and you'll get it. And that's what the answer is. So that's the only that's the only reason I said anything about you know other paths is because there can be other paths. You can find happiness in all of them. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things that a lot of people sometimes get bent out of shape out of. Like they always wish. Yeah, so I grew up in a military family, and oftentimes you'd have people that be like, "Oh, I just I wish I could be here." You know, I I, I remember spending four years in Hawaii. And I had people that are like, oh, I wish we were back in Camp Lejeune because I had so much fun at Camp Lejeune. <laughs> and like, North Carolina? I'm like, you're in Hawaii. Appreciate where you're I, at and I love where that. you're yeah. at. Absolutely. And there's, there's so many people that get so caught up in like thinking about the what ifs and the what and what could have happened. And I'm like, just I love be where that. you're at and enjoy where you're at and make the best of whatever you're at. And I think so it sounds like what you've done in your that's, life. And that's that's fantastic. I love that. That's exactly right. I see you writing down some notes too, wow, Justin. I got so much life advice yeah. tonight. This is amazing. <laughs> well, I, I feel like you have another thought. Uh, no, I just appreciate all all of your wisdom. Uh, we're talking about uh, enjoying where you are. I think a lot of this has kind of spoken uh, to my heart. I um, uh, definitely had thoughts and questions and doubts and uh things like that about what to do with the rest of my life. And hopefully th this has helped me. And I, I hope that the, our audience gets uh, some wisdom and answers from, from all of you. And I've cool. appreciated that. So thank you. They, they will. And thank you for your time. Thank you for, you know, the advice and also for being vulnerable, talking about some things that are tough. And I think those things help people the most sometimes. Uh, we see our kids walking in, so that's probably a sign that that's our time cute. is up. I do see my youngest son, Owen, here. Owen, do you want to ask the last question or no? How are you doing, Owen? Good. So, Owen, remember this is the last question right here. You want to you ask it? You, well, you just came all the way over here. Come on. <laughs> he comes 95% of the way. Yeah, come on. You're, this one? So this right here. Come, you got to go in the mic. <laughs> I don't think I've already done this one. I know. You've done this question. Do you You know, want to? What? You want to do it? No. No? Mm -hmm. oh, you came all the way over here. Man. All right. So our, our last question on the show is always the same. It's what role has being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints played in you developing a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Wow. I think I, think I did answer that. My, my testimony of Christ is deep and abiding. What I, what I know is, be, is that my membership in the church has created a way for me to grow, love, and share my love of Christ with others. And it has given me an anchor and a hard point that I know is always there. Um, when I went to Korea, remote, halfway around the world, where not only is everyone, the culture, 
and the surroundings different. The air is different. Everything was different. The one thing that I still had was a connection through the church to Christ, because it gave me a venue to to be part of that. When I was in Germany or Spain or remote to Turkey or in Iran, and I've been in all those places when I was in the desert in a tent having a meeting that we shouldn't have even probably had, but had anyway. We got permission from the church to have it uh, for Desert Shield and Desert Storm. So we, we had that. I had a venue. I had support from others around me. I had the love of others around me. I had a way to share and feel the spirit, and uh, and that's what that's what the church has done for me. It has been everywhere I have been, and uh, and that's its purpose. Its purpose is to help strengthen one another. That's why we have a church, and uh, and it, that's and it, it's done that for me. So it's a good question. Oh, and you missed out on that one, bud. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he usually comes up and does it. He's being shy today. I don't. You, I'm not sure. You can ask me what it feels like to pull nine G's. Oh, there you oh, go. That'd he did awesome. like Top Gun as well. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Connection Podcast as much as we did. And we were equally as surprised as you were, at least many of you were, that Dan Nielsen had something to say about Taylor Swift. But we'll keep that trend going. Anyway, till next time, take care. <laughs>